From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Monday edition. The Biden administration will not send any diplomatic or official representation to the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics and Paralympic Games, given the PRC's ongoing genocide and crimes against uh, humanity in Xinjiang and other human rights abuses. That was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki earlier this afternoon announcing a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing by the Biden administration. I'll get the reaction from one of the first members of Congress to call for a boycott, Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, in just a moment. And where and when does it end? Are you no longer going to shut it down? No, we got to beat it back before we shut it down. Look. This is going to take time worldwide. In order to beat COVID, we have to shut it down worldwide. That was President Biden responding to questions from Fox on Friday about the change of his rhetoric from beating it back to, to uh, beating it down. We'll talk more about how the uh, Omicron, Omicron virus uh, variant rather is uh, being utilized, how it's being uh, addressed and if the present approach is working, we'll talk with uh, Dr. Jeff Barrow, Senior Vice President of Bioethics and Public Policy for the Christian Medical and Dental Association. COVID, like climate change, is very useful, as you can use it for a scapegoat for bad policies, while at the same time using it to justify, uh, using it as justification, rather, for more illegitimate government power. So when a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean, do you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic, yes. Yeah, and that was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki responding to a question from Fox News's Peter Ducey. We'll talk more about what's happening in California and elsewhere with the lawlessness with Marie Griffin Taylor, Dean and Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice at Truett McConnell University, who is also a former law enforcement official. And finally, the National School Board Association, which did the dirty work of the Biden administration, equating parents who are showing up at school board meetings to protest critical race theory and radical gender policies as terrorists, is hemorrhaging members. Well, but frankly, I think they need to lose even more to teach them and those on the left who want to do the bidding of the Biden administration a lesson. We'll talk with uh, Meg Kilgannon, education senior fellow here at the Family Research Council. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, let me remind you, through December the 10th, we are having a stand mug giveaway. And our stand mug giveaway winner today is Derek from Missouri, Missouri. Uh, is the uh, Derek in Missouri is the recipient. Derek said he stands for the truth that God is our father and creator and the only two true judge and lawgiver, end quote. He wrote, we must return to Christian values, including loving our enemies, enough to continue to show brotherly love and concern for everyone he has breathed life into. Congratulations, Derek, and keep standing. A little bit later, I'll tell you how you can enter the text competition to receive your own stand mug, 15-ounce mug made in the USA. All right, I'll tell you more about that later. All right, as I mentioned earlier today, the White House announced the United States will not send President Biden or any U.S. government official to the Winter Olympics in Beijing 
over the Chinese Communist Party's ongoing genocide and crimes against humanity. Joining me now to talk about this is one of the first members of Congress to call for the boycott, U.S. Congressman Mike Waltz. He's a member of the House Armed Services Committee, a decorated Special Forces officer. He serves as the member of Congress for the 16th Congressional District. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. Uh, let me get your response to the Biden administration's announcement. Well, you know, first one, I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to see at least some action. Uh, as you heard, uh, Jen Psaki mentioned, it really focused on the just gross and disgusting atrocities, uh, not just against the Muslim Uyghurs, but against the Buddhist Tibetans and against Christians uh, all over uh, all over China, where they're literally, literally, Tony, bulldozing churches, and the Chinese Communist Party is writing their own version and interpretation of the Bible. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's important to, number one, point out what they what she didn't mention, which was COVID, COVID origins and the five million people that are dead in the Chinese cover up. Uh, she didn't mention Hong Kong. She didn't mention the aggression in the South China Sea and a number of other offenses. And number two, this is a diplomatic boycott. Uh, and they're kind of glossing over that part and just emphasizing on the boycott, because I think the administration wants to look like it's doing something significant. But I uh, and 180 human rights groups, 180, have called for a full boycott, uh, an economic boycott and uh, for our athletes. And I want to be clear for those who my heart goes out to the athletes as well, uh, that uh, we have been asking repeatedly the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, to move the games uh, out of Beijing for years uh, they have refused to do so, uh, and I just do not see how we have the American flag flying in Beijing after unleashing COVID on the world with an ongoing genocide. Uh, and, and you know, Tony, these companies like Coca-Cola, uh, Procter & Gamble, Intel, uh, Disney, and others that want to preach social justice here in the United States but want to ignore uh, the atrocities that are going on in China are complete hypocrites. We need to call them out for it. Uh, and then number two, I'll be candid. Uh, you know, I would ask many of these athletes themselves, if the United States, if the U.S. government were imprisoning a million Muslims in concentration camps, I guarantee you they would be protesting and not begging to compete uh, but why then turn a blind eye when it comes to uh, when it comes to China? Yeah, it, and to put this in uh, perspective, 40 years ago, it was a Democratic president, uh, Jimmy Carter, that uh, had a full boycott, if I'm not mistaken, of the summer games right. in Moscow in response to the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan. So the president certainly could have taken greater uh, steps here. I, I think, I, well, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that even this step was prompted in part from the actions taken by the Women's Tennis Association that is uh, boycotting right. all uh, activities, uh, all tennis uh, tournaments in China and Hong Kong as a result of the uh, uh, the uh, sexual assault charges yeah. uh, that one of their uh, members has made against a Chinese official? Well, as you know, that's exactly right. And my, my hat goes off to, and I have, a, I have a call pending with the head of the WTA, the Women's Tennis Association, uh, uh, for their bold stand for having a spine, 
this was a significant, you know, their their tournaments in China were a significant part of their revenue. But, you know, they stood up for their values. Uh, and when you have, I mean, this would be the equivalent, Tony, of like Serena Williams accusing a vice president of the United States of sexual abuse. Uh, and then Serena Williams disappears. Uh, Pang Shui, the, the Chinese tennis star, was a three-time Olympian and the number one in the world in, in doubles. Uh, and she has disappeared only to show up in some very scripted, obviously coerced videos. Uh, and so good on the WTA for taking a stand. Uh, and the NBA, by contrast, uh, is, is, again, weak need and turning a blind eye to these uh, gross, gross uh, atrocities. So I do think that's a big piece of it. And the other piece, Tony, very quickly, for all of those who say, well, we shouldn't politicize athletics, and the IOC has repeatedly said we don't do politics, well, they didn't take that stand when it came to South Africa and apartheid. They actually banned South Africa for nearly 30 years from not only having an Olympic Games, but even their Olympic team participating in any Olympic Games. So why do they take a tough stand when it comes to South Africa and apartheid, but just ignore an ongoing genocide with a million Muslims? Uh, I'll answer my own question. It's because of their balance sheet, and it's because of the amount of money involved. It's hypocrisy at its worst. Uh, and again, we need to call it out at every turn. Well, I, before we move on to the next topic regarding China, I do want to go back, circle back to what you said about the corporate sponsors, because even in the case of the Women's Tennis Association, this, many of the, the major sponsors of, uh, of their efforts but also of the overall Olympics, have remained silent on all of this and continue. And some of them yep. benefit directly from the forced labor in China. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, Nike being one of them, uh, Procter, and, Procter and Gamble, uh, Coca-Cola uh, have been absolutely silent. Uh, they are literally participating in modern-day slavery with slave labor, yet then they want to boycott Georgia, right, over, over you know, social justice uh, and the, and the uh, voter integrity laws they're, you know, uh, they've been passing. So, again, it's hypocrisy at its worst, and it's only because they can be woke in the United States and pad their balance sheet uh, and then be silent when it comes to China and pad their balance sheet. Uh, but, you know, again, it's the worst in terms of principles or morals or any type of principle stand. Uh, Congressman Mike Walsh, I want to move on to uh, issues of national defense. A classified American intelligence report suggests China intends to establish its first permanent military presence on the Atlantic Ocean in the, the yeah. tiny central African country of uh, Equatorial uh, Guinea. Um, but before I get to that, related is the National Defense Authorization Act, which has actually been hung up in the Senate by Senator uh, Marco Rubio over uh, an amendment that he wants into the bill dealing with manufactured goods coming from the region where the Uyghurs are being forced into labor. That has hung mm -hmm. up the NDAA bill, which is this annual must-pass piece of legislation funding our military. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, uh, so I have similar language to, um, to Senator Rubio in the defense bill, but it only prohibits 
the Defense Department rather than the entire U.S. government from buying uh, these slave labor made goods. But, you know, Senator Rubio has a great point. I mean, the, the bill passed the Senate, yet Nancy Pelosi won't bring it up. Uh, and he's been holding up the defense bill because of it in order to to leverage and pressure Pelosi, you know, the, who, who leads the Democrat Party and portends to care about women's rights and human rights uh, and labor rights. But yet, once again, like these corporations, she and her party are completely silent when it comes to real, as we speak right now, modern day slavery that are making Nike apparel that are providing sugar uh, to Coca-Cola, uh, that are providing a lot of the cotton to a number of our clothing brands. Uh, listen, folks, when you see made in China, if it is made in Western China, it is likely made uh, at, the, at the end of a barrel of an AK-47. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, it's, and it's just gross and disgusting. And now is the time to think about that as uh, we're in the Christmas season. We're buying various presents and gifts and all kinds of products. I, I am now turning over everything to see where it is made. Uh, Congressman Mike Waltz, we're, we're out of time. Not able to get to uh, this uh, Chinese uh, threat on the Atlantic. We'll have to circle back around and talk about that later. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay. God bless, Tony. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. Uh, coming back... Uh, the virus. How long is this going to be with us? I mean, every we're going to see a new variation every six months with more government restrictions. We're going to talk about it next with Dr. Barrows. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's Word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, 
Sign up at frc.org subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. The Omicron variant of COVID-19 has been identified in at least 17 U.S. states since the first American case of the variant was reported last Wednesday, December the 1st, in California. And while early reports about the new variant says the effects are um, relatively mild, And it's still uncertain as to whether or not the vaccines that are out there will protect against it. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced this morning that he has decided to impose, rather, quote, bold new measures, including a first-in-the-nation vaccine mandate for private sector workers. The mandate, which will take effect on December the 27th, will apply roughly to 184,000 businesses in the Big Apple. Joining me to talk about the Omicron variant and how policymakers should respond to it based upon what we know is Dr. Jeff Barrow, Senior Vice President of Bioethics and Public Policy at the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Dr. Barrows, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good evening, Tony. Great to be with you again. So tell me, what what do we know and what do we not know? Well, we know that this new variant is spreading very rapidly. As you said, it's already in 17 states here within the United States and 20 countries around the world. And uh, I think there are three major questions that need to be addressed with this particular variant. The first is, is it more transmissible? In other words, does it spread from one person to another more quickly than the previous variants? And uh, I would say that very preliminary evidence seems to show that it is highly effective in spreading. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it in the 17 states we do here in the U.S. We wouldn't have it in 20 countries around the world. Uh, So it looks like that more than likely this particular variant is highly transmissible, possibly even more transmissible than the Delta variant. That's the first question. The second is how well are our vaccines going to do against it? And we can talk about that a little bit more. And the third, as you've already alluded to, is is this variant more dangerous than the prior variants and the original ancestral virus? I mean, one of the reasons, Dr. Barrows, I want to have this conversation is, I mean, we're talking about the, we've been talking about the the COVID-19 for the last two years. But the reality is, and I said this two years ago, is that, look, I think this is what we're just going to have to get accustomed to. We're going to see now that this has entered the global stage. 
where we have this virus spreading internationally. We live in a global society. Whether or not this was intentional, how it was released, all of that, you know, maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. But the reality is this is the this is the new world in which we live. And so these emergency actions that are taken, I mean, they have to follow the science because if we just, you know, if we just yield up our privacy, we yield up our own decision-making process, this could end very badly. I agree completely. I, I think we have to be careful that the government doesn't take advantage of this, quote, emergency of these new variants. And you're exactly right. This is going to be the way it's going to be. Viruses do this. This is the way they multiply. They they develop mutations. Mutations gather together, and they develop new variants. And so we're going to be hearing about new variants of, of COVID-19 for years to come. It's not going to go away. So we have to get used to that. So we don't want the government to take advantage of a new variant coming in and, and doing any fear-mongering, passing new new. Uh, shutdowns or anything like that, it's, it's, it's going to be part of life. And so we have to get used to just living with it like we do the, the flu. Right. You, you wash your hands. You know, in this case, you know, if you're in a, yeah. a, a place where you are potentially going to be exposed, wear a mask or do the things that are, that are prudent, according to the medical experts. Yeah. But as you point out, in this variant, the Omicron, has 30 mutations in the spike protein alone. And so as I understand this, I'm by, by no means a scientist, but these things, as they as they mutate and they change, they evade the antibodies from the vaccines, especially the, the vaccines that are human-made, as opposed to natural immunity appears from some of the studies, appears to be a little more versatile in protecting against the variants. Is that accurate? I think it's too early to say. I think it's important to understand that there are two parts to our immune system. We have the antibodies, which everybody hears about. And I would say more than likely, the antibodies that are developed from either a vaccine or natural immunity are not going to be quite as effective against this new variant, the Omicron, because as you said, it has over 30 different mutations in the spike protein alone. And that's where most of the antibodies are focused. But the second part of our immune system is called our cellular immune system. And that's where we get the protection against being hospitalized or getting deathly ill. And I think both from vaccines and from natural immunity, our, our cellular immunity will hopefully be able to hold off this this virus and, and whatever variant comes in the future, because we have such a strong cellular immunity against this particular virus. I mean, over the weekend, uh, the administration had uh, their various uh, medical experts out talking about this and uh, even admitting that we don't know yet. It'll be a couple of weeks whether or not uh, we'll find out whether or not this the, the current vaccines are effective against the o- Omicron uh, variant, they're still saying, oh, we got to get vaccinated. That's the response to this is vaccination. Is that really following the science? Well, I, I think they're doing what they can. I, I think what I would like to see is that some of these companies like Moderna and Pfizer that have offered to develop a new uh, formulation of their vaccine that would incorporate these new mutations in the spike protein. I think that's eventually what's going to need to be done, whether they do it with the Omicron or a future variant. 
but I don't think they need to be using the same vaccine all the way along. We need to be updating the vaccine as this virus changes and, and infects us. Isn't that what we do each year with the flu, the, the flu vaccine? Yes, that's that's one form of it. Yes, it's exactly what we do. So, I mean, this is we, we have to treat this like the flu. It's like it's we're going to see these different variations come about. It's a little more obviously aggressive than the flu. But, you know, as opposed to talking about a vaccination where people get in their minds, you get this shot one time and you're good to yeah. go. It's more of an annual shot is what they're talking about. It's going to be a regular booster, whether it's one every one year or two years, it's yet to be seen, but you're exactly right. It's going to be a booster that should be evolving along with the virus so that we can maintain a high level of immunity. Dr. Barrow's out of time. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Great to be with you, Tony. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. Lawlessness in uh, California. Should we be surprised? We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Finley Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Listening to Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Uh, don't you like the Christmas music? I'm uh, listening to it now, kind of all the time. Love the Christian mu- Christian Christmas music. It's a great time of year. So, hope you enjoy that. Uh, enjoy this time with family and friends, and uh, as you get time off, just en- enjoy it. Only well, comes once a year. All right, over the past uh, few weeks, there have been uh, there's been an uptick in brazen smash and grab robberies in several parts of the U.S., including San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Chicago. 
Now, when asked about the rising lawlessness in California in particular, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki didn't attribute it the mob attacks, attacks to the defund the police efforts or to more restrictive policies for police and prosecutors. She had a different answer. So when a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, and tell if the shelves are clean, do you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic, yes. That was uh, Fox News' Peter Ducey asking that uh, question of uh, Jen Psaki. It's interesting. That was the same excuse that was used to explain the historic rise in homicides uh, last year when the reports came out uh, in October. Uh, there were those that said, well, this is th- this is um, this is because of the pandemic, because of closed schools and businesses leading to unemployment. Is it really or is lawlessness on the rise in America. Joining me now to talk about this is Marie Griffin-Taylor, Dean and Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice at Truett McConnell University. She is a former law enforcement officer and former college campus police officer. Marie, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So let me get your response to that. Is, you know, these... uh, mob smash and and run looting efforts uh, that we see taking place in California and elsewhere. Is that a result of the, the pandemic? No, it's a result of liberal policies. They you have in, you know, San Francisco, you have Chesa Boudin, who is the son of convicted murderers who wants to sit there and say, oh, you know, it's an arbitrary system. My, you know, my mom got 55 years less than my dad because she worked a plea deal. Well, of course she worked a plea deal. And because she accepted responsibility for her actions, she was given a lesser sentence. That's a, a way of rewarding people for accepting their responsibilities for when you do something wrong, admitting it and moving on. His dad chose to go to trial and was given a significantly harsher sentence. And yet we're now being told the system's arbitrary. No, it's not. And when you continue to put these kind of liberal policies in there where you don't prosecute um, quality of life crimes, that's mm-hmm. what they're calling them, quality of life. Um, but you're not going to prosecute them in saying that, oh, it's not, there's no victim. Yes, there are victims. That's why you have stores closing at obscene rates. Right. And yet they want to attribute it to the pandemic. Mm, stop it. Yeah. The, in fact, today, the California Retailers Association president, Rachel Michelin, uh, warned that something needs to be done to stop the smash and grab robberies uh, because people are afraid to go shopping. Businesses are closing. Uh, of course, this is, as we hear repeatedly, this is the time of year in which businesses make uh, their profit. This is where they it determines whether or not they go into the black. I would argue that this goes back to the summer of 2020, maybe, I mean, before. It was a manifestation in the 2020 where you had the looting and the rioting, and you had s- political officials telling the police to back off, uh, to let them have a run of it. 
Of course, in California, they passed uh, Prop uh, 47 back in 2014, which says uh, they'll no longer prosecute as a felony anything less than $950. So you have criminals going in actually using calculators to make sure they don't uh, exceed the $950. I mean, look, in, in the New Testament, Paul says the law is a tutor. Now, I know he was speaking spiritually of falling short, but the law has the same same effect in a, in society. It shows us what's acceptable and what's not. Exactly. We need structure. I mean, there are so many studies out there that show uh, life without structure fails. Life without, you know, children without structure have greater um, issues in school. They're less likely to graduate. Um, and and we, we see this again and again and again. And yet we want to sit there and say, oh, it's because of X. It's because of Y. It's because of Z. When in truth, it's because we're not enforcing laws. We're not forcing people to accept responsibility for their actions. Mm -hmm. And then we're also promulgating this idea of a lack of respect right. for any and all structure. Yeah. Well, and of course, that's... Military. That is the, uh, the the whole mark. What is behind the Marxist approach is to destabilize and to destroy structure, beginning in the family, organized religion, and then of course society more broadly. Professor, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Great to talk with you. Thank you so much. It was great to see you again, Tony. All right, thank you, Bree Taylor. Professor at Truett McConnell University. I want to talk a little bit more about that on the other side of the break. And then we're going to be joined by Meg Kilgannon. We'll be talking about some of the school, state school boards pulling away from the National School Boards Association because of their work with the Biden administration. We're going to talk about that next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. 
Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students. Are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go One of my favorites. Hope you enjoy the music. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. As I mentioned at the top of the program, through December the 10th, we are having a stand mug giveaway. Now, uh, each day, I'll uh, between now and the 10th, so time is uh, clicking by, so you got to participate now. Just text the word mug to 67742. That's 67742, the word mug, and tell us what you stand for and why for your chance to win a, uh, a mug. Now, this is USA made. In fact, it's stamped very boldly on the bottom. Uh, nothing in here made in China. 15-ounce mug made in the USA. It's high quality. It's high quality. See, it's got to see the big handle on there? I mean, you can, this is a man-sized mug. But ladies can enjoy it, too. Now, all you need to do is, uh, again, text the word mug to 67742, and uh, I'll be announcing this uh, each day. Now, uh, just remember uh, to check out our policy, our privacy policy. Go to FRC. Dot O-R-G. Uh, before I move on to our next uh, topic, I, I just want to go back for a moment on this conversation I was having with Professor Taylor about this, uh, this lawlessness. Now, I, I think uh, I could spend actually this whole segment talking about this because I think it gets into the spiritual state of our nation and really the spiritual state of the world. Because, you know, we're warned that the lawless one was coming. And before he comes, that lawlessness is going to abound. And the love of many will grow cold. It's like this indifference that we just kind of, I don't want to bother with it. I think we have to stand for truth. We have to stand for justice and what is right. That's the only thing that holds lawlessness intact. And I remember that, as many of you know who listen frequently, I was a police officer for a number of years. Criminal justice, took criminal justice in college. But there was a theory back uh, in the 80s that uh, Rudy Giuliani used to clean up the city of New York. And he cleaned it up quite, quite well, frankly. It was the broken windows theory. And it, it, now it's, some say it's controversial. It doesn't work. I don't know. The evidence is pretty strong. It basically is it's, the name describes what it is, broken window theory. If you see a broken window, you fix it so that you don't communicate a lack of concern 
or interest in the well-being of your community. And so you pick up the trash, you, you, you deal with looting uh, or uh, loitering, you deal with the minor things so that the bigger things don't become an issue. Kind of like what the Song of Solomon says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And so if you get the little things right and you address the little things, the big things tend to take care of themselves. But when you see this apathy or indifference or even promotion of lawlessness that we've seen in the last two years since the summer of 2020, is this any surprise? I mean, think about it. Should we be surprised? Well, I'll answer that. It was a rhetorical question, but I'll answer it. No, we shouldn't. This is exactly the fruit of the seeds that the left has been planting. And that's why we need elected officials, sheriffs, prosecutors that will enforce the laws. I mean, the the very well-being of our society and the safety of our families depend on it. Okay. Let me move on. More than half of the state school boards in the country have distanced themselves from the National School Boards Association over its infamous September 29th letter to President Biden that equated concerned parents at school board meetings to domestic terrorists. I know you've heard a lot about this, but more information, you know, has come out since that September 29th letter that makes it very clear now that the administration actually had them, probably wrote the letter for them, and they went public with the letter to the president. They acted as the lemmings for the Biden administration. And as a result, uh, 27 state associations uh, have backed away from this organization. 17 have taken further action to withdraw membership participation or dues from NSBA with Florida being the most recent, and even today, Arkansas, I read a report where Arkansas is contemplating backing away. Joining me now to talk more about this is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back. It's great to be here, Tony. Thanks for having me. So uh, what's the latest tally, 27? 27 have distanced themselves from the letter, and 17 have withdrawn their membership from the National School Boards Association. So does the National School Boards Association, I assume, but it's not safe to assume anything, but I assume that they derive their existence off of the dues that come from these various states, or at least in large part. They do, but they also raise money from organizations, particularly, interestingly, health insurance companies. Um, because of the access they have and the policies they can suggest to public schools. So if the, uh, if the number of schools who think they're credible or the number of states that they're involved in l- is lowered, that certainly will affect their bottom line as they'll be less effective. So it's like advertisers pulling out of a, of a, of a show because they have access to consumers. And so right. if the consumers aren't tuning in or schools are not using the information coming from the National School Boards Association, that uh, devalues uh, their standing with these uh, other entities. Exactly. They have a pretty bl- big black eye over this, to be honest. Well, sh- they should. They absolutely. I mean, they were used by the Biden administration to do the dirty work of the administration. And I have, you know, when I, when I saw the letter, I said, there's no way 
that this organization knew the technical aspects of the Patriot Act and these different criminal statutes that they would put this in the letter. Right. It did seem like they had some help with that. Right. And now, of course, we know that they, they did. They did. And I, I'm not, would not surprised at all that the Biden administration would equate these parents as domestic terrorists. And of course, they're continuing. The, the Department of Justice continued to push forward on this. But uh, my point here is, number one, to thank listeners and others who have reached out to their school board members, their state school board associations, and said, hey, you need to back away from these groups, but more need to do the same. Yes. There's a letter on our website at frcaction.org slash schools uh, that's a model letter for uh, for anybody to send to their local school board, not necessarily your state school board, but your local school board, asking the people who represent you in your community, did this letter express how you feel about yeah. parents? Did, did they speak for your values? And if not, have you let them know? that you don't agree with this letter. Now, do the local school boards also uh, uh, join as members of the National School Boards Association? The local school boards tend to join the state, their state level school Mm -hmm. board association. And it's because of pushback from local school board members that the states have have pulled out of the national organization. So it definitely has an effect. It definitely matters. So these folks are listening to parents and to citizens who are now weighing in on these issues. Happily, they are. They are listening. And and the, the louder that parents speak out when we are marginalized or told to be quiet or called names, as we often are, People who who listen and watch this program are the kind of folks who have been concerned about education for years and have been pointing to some very difficult issues and concerns uh, in education. And we're often called names and, and, uh, you know, demeaned because of our interest in protecting children's innocence and protecting children. And and I think one of the things we got to get wrap our minds around is that we we've kind of historically seen ourselves as uh, as cultural Minutemen. You know, we, we, we drop our pitchforks and we, uh, you know, we pick up our muskets and we go to the, to the battle as the Minutemen did. I actually think we've got to be looking at this different. We have to have a sustained presence. We have to finish this off. And I know this, in, in fact, I'm going to have an update here soon on the RNC and what the RNC did with this pride coalition. I know for a fact and talking with RNC members that many of you contacted, by the way, and I want to thank you for that because you got their attention big time. But after the Thanksgiving holiday, they think, oh, well, it's his past. Because historically, once we say something and we make our case and we go on to something else, Mm -hmm. there are some things we just have to be tenacious about and not let go of until it's fixed. And one of those issues is public education. Absolutely. We, we, We have them, I don't know I would say on the run, but we certainly have their attention. I say we, concerned citizens of America. Look, I'm in this for the long haul. I see this as a multi-year campaign to take back 
public education or at least neutralize the left's ability to use public education to indoctrinate and raise children who turn against their parents and hate this country. Right. And um, we got to this place over time, so it's going to take time to fix it. Um, We didn't just all of a sudden wake up one day and there was a huge educational infrastructure controlled by left-wing activists. (laughs) That grew over time. Um, But what we need to remember is the organizations that have withdrawn from groups like the National School Boards Association are not sending them taxpayer money anymore, right? That that these groups are 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 funded by public dollars. They're funded by our money, and they're right. using our money to ruin our kids. Is there is there a, a red blue divide here? There is. There were a couple of surprising states that pulled out entirely. Illinois has pulled out entirely from the National School Boards Association, which surprised me. Most of the states that pulled out tended to be more Republican or red-leaning states. Um, But Illinois pulled out. Pennsylvania pulled out. Um, So that's that's good news. That tells you that that it's not just, uh, you know, one side who's upset about this. Um, public schools are for everyone. All of our kids have the right, right to excellent public schools, and, and we should all be comfortable there. We should all have a sense of community there because they're for everyone. Yeah. Well, and again, our, our regular listeners would know where I stand on, on education, uh, but for those that may be tuning in for the first time, uh, I'm not an advocate for public education. Um, I, I am an advocate for parents doing what is best for their children. And I, very few scenarios in public education today would be good for a child, given what's happened in public education. That said, I am not for us abandoning public education. I think we need to, we need to see Christians go into public education as teachers, as administrators. We need to see Christians go into the school boards to try to dial back uh, all of this leftist uh, indoctrination that has made its way into our public schools. We have a responsibility because we live in the community where 90% of the kids are educated in these public schools. Absolutely. And w- we know that one-party government is never good. No. When one side of the of, of the, to the a two-sided conversation is the only one who's talking or pay, paid attention to, that never ends well. And in this case, the people who are least able to protect themselves, children, are the ones who are caught in this right. in this battle. And so we need to make sure that our voices are heard, that our worldview is understood and respected and considered as we make policy that concerns children. And all the more so when we see the unfortunate disintegration of the family and the downward spiral of society as a whole. Because, you know, for many single parents, public education is the only option. I mean, they they have no other option. I mean, they're struggling just to put food on the table, clothes on the backs of their children. And so to think of homeschooling the kids or putting them into a private education is just not an option. Of course, that's why I think uh, refundable tax credits to give parents that option of where to send their child, whether a single parent or not. But uh, again, I just go back to this issue of education is the role of the parent. God gave children to parents and gave them both the responsibility and the authority to educate. We can delegate the authority. You know, I can send my kid off to public school or private school, and I can delegate that authority, but I can never delegate the responsibility. Absolutely. It comes back to me. Yes. God will hold me accountable. So at, at a minimum, 
Parents need to be sitting down with their kids, whether you're a single mom, mom and dad, does does not matter. You need to be having conversations about what's happening in, in the classroom. Absolutely. What's going on in your child's school day? You, we had all the, the discussion about um, the lawlessness in California, and unfortunately, some of that lawlessness plays out in public schools and private schools, right. too. This, the, they're not, schools are a reflection of our society, yeah. and they're not immune from these sorts of... Well, they're a feeder system, I think, now for the True. lawlessness that's happening. <laughs> True. And, and before we run out of time, Meg Kilgannon, um, for those that have the ability and the time and the resources and the passion, they should run for school board. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need more people engaged in the system. There are a lot of uh, school board members who, having lived through the pandemic with the rest of us and had to make those terrible decisions, there are a number of school board members who aren't running again. They're tired of the headaches. And that's a perfect opportunity for someone uh, who thinks like us to get in there and give it the old college try. Um, that There are school board members who simply need to go on to retirement yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they need to do well, something I helped, else. I helped, uh, re- I helped some politicians retire in my day. <laughs> it's a good it, thing it to do. It's not that difficult, frankly. Uh, a school board race is probably one of the easiest, uh, although the profile of it has raised a little bit and outside money is coming in. But, yes. look, knocking on doors, nothing Nothing replaces knocking on doors, drinking a cup of coffee, and having conversations with your neighbors. Absolutely. With an army of moms at your back. That's right. That's a good, that's yeah. a good situation. Mama bears. Meg Kilgannon, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. And, folks, thank you for joining us as well. And I didn't say this at the top of the program, but Merry Christmas. You're going to, we're going to be celebrating Christmas all month long. All right, until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.